behaviors. We are talking, um, this is like part two of a two-part message within a 16-part message, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, but about a month ago, um, we looked together at fear and anxiety, these two emotions. Um, I recently hit a milestone in life, which is that I have now been a follower of Jesus for half of my life. August uh, 2005 is when I made the decision to really follow Jesus. I'd kind of growing up made like a few kind of half-hearted decisions, but um, August 2005, I thought, yeah, I'm in on following Jesus. And so for half of my life now, um, I've been following Jesus. And when I look back over the two halves of my life, here's what I have noticed is a similarity between the two. I am a worrier. A worrier. Now that's W-O-R-R-I-E-R, not a worrier, okay? Um, A worrier. I have noticed this about my life. I noticed when I look back at the first half of my life that I used to worry a lot. I used to worry about a range of things that when I look back on them now, they kind of seem a bit more trivial than perhaps they did at the time. Um, But at the time, like, they really consumed me. For example, I used to get really worried the night before a non-uniform day at school. And here was my, like, worry. My worry was that I would turn up at school, and actually I got it wrong, and I was the only person in their own clothes, and everyone else was in their school uniform. That used to worry me. And then there were the the not-so-trivial things, I guess, growing up, um, starting a new school. And as a family, we moved around a lot when I was growing up, and so there were a lot of new schools to start and a lot of new experiences. And, you know, would I make friends? Like, would I fit in that kind of thing that would worry me? And even I used to worry when we moved, like, would we be moving again? Um, we weren't like running from crime or anything. We weren't on Dyer's favorite TV program. Um, just because of my dad's work, we had to move around. But um, then when I look at the second half of my life, what I found is that I still worry. Only now, um, I find myself worrying about things like the state of my football team, um, which is kind of got better this week, interestingly. Seems to have been no phone signal in this area this week. Usually I hear from Liverpool fans, but I didn't this week. Um, I worry now about things like my children, and and as they grow up, I worry about unexpected uh, bills and many other things that I imagine I'm not alone at worrying about. Um, In fact, here are some of what apparently are the most common things that we worry about. We worry about money and the future. And that just feels like massive right now, doesn't it, with the the cost of living crisis that we're in. Uh, We worry about job security. We worry about relationships that we have or would like. We worry about health concerns. We worry about finding the right partner. We worry about wrinkles and aging appearance. I think there's a few amens in the room there. Um, We worry about our diets and the way that we look. Um, And I'm sure that you could probably add so many other things to that list today. But here is what I have learned in the second half of my life. I have learned that I have a choice when it comes to my fears and my anxieties. I can either let them consume me or I can do something about them. 
And this has really been what this series is all about, is how we work through and uh, kind of go through different emotions in a way that is healthy. And we're going to continue today, as I said, to look at fear and anxiety, these two big emotions that I think we can often kind of use at the same time to describe how we're feeling. And sometimes it might be that we are feeling both those things, and sometimes we get them a bit mixed up. But we looked at this together about um, a month ago, as I said, and you can catch up with that on our website or on YouTube. But here's what we learned together. We learned this, that fear focuses our attention on the immediate, on the thing that is before us. Anxiety focuses our attention on what is unknown, like what will our bills look like by the end of this year. Faith fixes our attention, though, on what is certain. And as I look back on the second half of my life, what I have found is that this third element in life has changed how I worry about things. Because worrying about things is a natural response. It's a human response. And so if you worry, don't worry, you're not alone in the room or online today. But what I've found in life is this, that we can either keep our worries to ourselves and let them consume us, or we can share them with Jesus and let his peace consume us. And that um, second option definitely works the best. But I don't know about you, I don't always remember to do it. We talked last time about the need to fuel our faith. The way that we can grow our faith in who Jesus is in order to help us come against the fears that we have or the anxieties that we have. As When we do that, what happens is that we grow in our understanding of all that Jesus is capable of. And so suddenly, he becomes more powerful than those things that we are feeling anxious about and the fears that we are facing. And we talked about some of the, the simple habits that we can put in place in our lives to grow our faith in Jesus. But I think part of the process of fueling our faith is also to starve the oxygen of our worries and our fears. Maybe, um, here's just a few things, but maybe you need to spend less time reading the news because it's filling you with doom and gloom. The news isn't a bad thing, it's a really helpful thing. It can help guide us in what we pray for, for example. It can keep us informed in what's going on in the world. But I remember a time uh, during the pandemic where I realized that, well, I, I needed to limit the time that I was reading the news because it was filling me with more and more anxiety as I read what I was reading. And, and there was just a certain news outlet that I realized. What I was doing was I was waking up in the morning and the first thing I was doing was turning to my phone and I was just consuming all of this news about all of this doom and gloom that was going on in the world at the time. And so I knew that I needed to do something. And this isn't like um, rocket science. I just needed to delete that app. I just needed to take some time and not let that kind of grow my anxieties and my fears on all that was going on in the world at the time. And I needed to grow some new habits in my life. I needed to turn to God's word first thing in the morning to fill me with faith in the morning. Maybe um, for you it's not the news, but it's social media. Maybe you need to do something with social media because it's fueling anxieties in you as you spend um, your time comparing your life 
with other people's highlights reel. Because oftentimes, that's what social media is, right? Most people just put their highlights on there. And then what do we do? We compare our lives and how we think our lives look to other people's lives. And I found there's been times in my life not long ago where that was the case for me with uh, Instagram. And so again, what did I do? Something simple. I just deleted my account. I'm not bashing on social media here, by the way. Like, I love Twitter and TikTok and all the random funny things that you can find on there and the helpful recipes that you can find on there and whatever it might be. Like, I'm not bashing on them, but I'm just saying, if you're in a place today where anxiety is high, and if you compare that to how you spend your time on social media, there may well be something that corresponds there that you need to sort out and maybe hit delete. Perhaps it's um, not the online company that you keep, but it's the relationships that you have. Maybe there are some people in your life who just drain you, and all they do is they create anxiety in you, they create fear in you, and they're not helpful with you when you are facing those emotions. Maybe there's something you need to do in your company that you're keeping. How do you need to spend time crowding out the roots of your anxieties, starving them of the oxygen that's fueling fear and anxiety in your life? Because fear focuses our attention on the immediate. Anxiety focuses our attention on the unknown, but faith will fix our attention on what is certain. So many of the emotions that we've talked about in this whole series over the last 16 weeks, they've been emotions where we've talked about the need to embrace them, the need to embrace them in a healthy way. We saw that, for example, with the need to rest. We saw that it's okay to be angry about the right things and how that might maybe spur us on into social action. We saw about the need to embrace seasons of sadness. We saw about the need to be a compassionate people. We saw about the need to fight for joy. And that's just a few examples. But you know, with fear and anxiety, they are emotions that so often the Bible tells us not to feel. And I find that difficult because I experience fear and I experience worry. And if we take these phrases that are often come up in the Bible, do not be afraid, do not worry, if we just look at them in isolation, it can just leave us feeling, well, probably even more fearful and even more anxious. It can perhaps even leave us feeling like shameful that we feel those emotions. But hear this today, those emotions are not bad emotions to experience. It's okay, they are natural responses. Because the thing is, if we look at those phrases in the Bible, do not be afraid and do not worry in isolation, we're actually missing the point. And I want to give us some examples today because whenever it says do not be afraid or do not worry, there's always a caveat to that. There's always a clause to it. Let me give you some examples, some favorite verses of mine. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says this, so do not fear. Pause there for a moment. There's that phrase, so do not fear. If you're in a place today where you are fearful and somebody says to you, don't be afraid, it's not that helpful, is it? It's not that helpful, but here's why. Because God, through this prophet called Isaiah, says this to the people of Israel. He says, do not fear. Why? For I am with you. 
Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We're not just told, don't be afraid. We're told the reason why you don't need to be afraid is because God is with you. And so today, if you're in a fearful place, hear what the word of God says to us through that emotion. Don't be afraid because God is with you. He promises his presence with you. We're reminded that when we face those everyday fears and anxieties in life, the way to face our fear is with God and to acknowledge his presence with us. Here's another example in Philippians 4. And this is a man called Paul who was writing to a church in a place called Philippi, which is why it's called Philippians. And these are some verses I've heard in church all my life quoted. They say, don't worry. And again, if we pause there for a moment, if you're somebody who is facing anxiety, like we all do, it's not that helpful when somebody says to you, don't worry about that. But here's the the clause, the caveat to it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, Here's what to do with those worries. Pray about everything. And like I said before, like this is key, but it's not always easy and it's not always our first response. But we can make it our first response. We can train it to be our first response. It says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. What are we doing with our worries? We're giving them to God. And we're saying, God, I recognize that you are more powerful than anything that I might be worrying about right now in my life. And God, I don't know the outcome. It's unknown. But what I do know is that you, I know, as Nick said to us before, that you're close to me. You're interested in this because I am worried about it. And so I can bring it to you and I can give it to you. And so we're told that in our worries, in our anxieties, give them to God. Tell him what we need. And you know, prayer, we don't need to complicate it. If you're worried about something today, here's what your prayer could be. God, I'm worried that we, we as Liverpool fans will never beat United again. Help us. Amen. Like you don't have to make it complicated, guys. You really don't. I've prayed that prayer many times in the reverse way. Thank you, God. Here's my favorite do not worry in the Bible, and it's my favorite because it troubles me in so many ways. And so hopefully this will encourage you too. It says this in Matthew 6, verse 34. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. This verse, in isolation, is not that encouraging, right? Like, if that was just all I gave you today, it's the words of Jesus, but I don't know about you, it doesn't really fill me with a lot of hope. And I was always told that Jesus' words will always fill us with hope. Don't worry about today, sorry, tomorrow, but tomorrow is going to bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And so, as we worry about the cost of living crisis and our bills and perhaps what our children will grow up, to be like, or how many wrinkles you might have, or that first day of high school coming up, like whatever that worry is, don't worry about that. Like, think about today's worries. There's so many. Worry about them. Thankfully, that's not what Jesus is saying. 
but pause with me here for a moment. Let me tell you about a study that um, Cornell University in New York did. Um, they did a study all about anxiety and about worry. And uh, here's what they came up with. They said that this is what they found. 97% of the things that we worry about either never happen or we handle them and possibly learn something valuable in the process. Only 3% of the time did people's worries prove well-founded. Now, if you are an optimist in the room, I don't know if we have many optimists, um, glass half full, I guess, that would be right, wouldn't it? Yeah, people. Um, you're probably feeling pretty good about that stat. Like 97% of the things that we worry about, it's found, didn't even happen. That's pretty amazing. Anybody with me and a pessimist? Anybody want to own up to that with me? I can see a few, a few of you putting your hands up. That's fine. Yeah, I can see you. Look, let's just unite together for a moment, because what we've done is we've concentrated on the second part of that stat, which is that that means that actually 3% of the things that we are worrying about are going to happen. Right? And that isn't going to fill us with much confidence, is it? But let's just pessimists unite for a moment and concentrate on this truth. That like this study has found that 97% of the things that we worry about, let me expand on it a little bit, actually found that 85% of the things that we worry about don't happen. 12% of the things that we worry about, as it said, um, either we handle them better than we expected, or we're glad to have gone through it because we've learned something through the process. That's amazing. What that highlights is this. There's a lot of wasted worry in our lives, isn't there? Like we spend our lives worrying about a lot of things that we don't need to worry about. Just come back with me to that verse that we were looking at before because what it highlights is that truth of that study. Because if what we find is that actually there's a lot of things that we worry about in tomorrow that we don't need to worry about. Now there are some things in our lives that will happen that won't feel great in life. But if we read that verse that I read to us before, um, let me read it again. Um, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Then we'll be like pessimists just focusing on the 3%. But here's the thing. If we read that verse in context, it's amazing what Jesus has actually said about anxiety, about our worries, about our fears for life. I'm going to read it to you, what Jesus said. This is in um, Matthew 6, verses um, 25 to 34. This is from the message. It's a bit of a chunk here. I'm going to read it. But here's what I want to do. As I read it, would you just do something with me? If you're here today and you are worrying about something, now's the time to give it to God. Now's the moment to say, God, I'm worrying about this. I need you to speak some hope into this. God, I need you to speak some comfort to me. God, I need you just to lift my eyes of this anxiety. And so let me read this to you. It says this. This is the words of Jesus. And here's the caveat. Here's the clause. If you decide for God, if you decide to follow God, to live for him, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach. 
more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? The answer is no, by the way. I can tell you that. All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns Just pause in that thought for a moment. Like If we immerse our lives in God, if we grow our faith in Him, you'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. The reason that Jesus can tell us not to worry is because quite simply, he's got us. We are precious to him. He will provide for us. He will help us deal with whatever things come up in life. The 97% of things that come up that don't ever happen and the 3% of things that will happen in our lives, the trouble that will come, he is there to help us always. When we can grasp these truths, when we can fuel our faith and starve our fears and our worries of the oxygen that we allow them to have, we begin to realize that Jesus is more powerful than anything we could ever face. And we begin to walk and live in God's unexplainable peace. It's a peace that we have to hold tightly to. We have to keep coming back to. We have to keep giving our worries to God in prayer. We have to keep asking him to help us. But he will help us. And he will replace our worry, our anxieties, our fears with his peace. There's just one more verse that I wanted to say and share. And these are the thoughts of another one of Jesus' disciples, a man called Peter. And this is from the message, and I love how it's been worded for us. Live carefree before God. Sounds easy to do. Actually sounds really hard to do. But why can we do that? Because he is most careful with you. Today we can live carefree before God 
And it sounds like so hard to achieve, to live without worries, to live without fears. And it doesn't mean that we'll never have worries again and we'll never fear again. It just means that when we do have them, we can give them to God because he's so careful with us. We're at the end of this series, but I joked at the start, it's because we dealt with our emotions and our feelings. Of course we haven't. New things will come. We'll get angry again. We'll need to be sad again. Whatever the emotions and feelings will be, we'll keep coming back to them throughout our preaching every Sunday here. Why? Because what we found throughout this series is that God wants to be deeply involved in all of our emotions, in all of our feelings. He wants to hear from us. He wants to walk with us. He has so much to say to us and so many ways to help us.